This is How Men Think with Brooks Like and Gavin DeGraw, an iHeartRadio podcast. Welcome to the show. My name is Brooks Like. I will be your host for today. And we're diving into a unique topic. A couple weeks ago, we had a great discussion where we we discussed diving into the DMs, sliding into the DMs. And the response from that show was amazing. We're trying to help people connect during the time of COVID. And so we've kind of wanted to piggyback that with this discussion. And we have two great guests coming on. Today's discussion is about making connection during a time of COVID. So dating during COVID, how is it done? Is it possible? A lot of people are really discouraged right now saying that they're just writing off 2020. They're not going to find any love or partnership or connection or intimacy in 2020. They're just writing it off. But we have a special co-host with us today that is going to inspire and empower you guys because he has his own personal success story of dating during COVID. So he was a personal trainer, life coach, entrepreneur, He's got a degree in sports medicine. You probably best know him as the American reality TV star for having appeared on Netflix's first season of Love is Blind. Mr. Mark Cuevas, welcome to the show, brother. My man, thank you. Quite the intro, quite the intro. (laughs) Dude, uh, first off, how was that show? That's because that's a crazy show. So I just want to say thank you for being on the show, dude. And I'm excited to hear your story because it's going to inspire our community. But let's, I just want to briefly touch on that. How was that show? Dude, I mean, it's kind of similar to what we're going through kind of right now, right? Like love is like love is blind, but except the fact that, you know, it's this distance, you know, that's the only difference. But when we are, I was on the show, it was nothing I'd ever experienced. I was the youngest guy on the show. I was 24 years old at the time. And I mean, to kind of go into this dating like experience and to not see the person was just so weird. It was honestly, when they were explaining it to us before we even walked on set, I'm just like, I mean, I kept saying, why not? Let's try it. And I'm like, ah, we'll see how it goes. And then once you're in it, it, it's so crazy to think like when you're talking to someone without seeing them, how, how much more vulnerable you become because you're not worried about what they think about you. Right. You're just kind of like in it. You're just, yeah, it's almost like therapy in a weird way, but, but with an emotional connection attached to it. And so you're just talking to them and you feel like you can be yourself. And so it kind of like, cause the first thing we do with dating now nowadays is like, what what do they look like? How hot are they? What, what what does the physical look like? Right. And so the show kind of taught me is, you know, what's inside, like what, what is their emotional state like? So it was a crazy experience, man. I, I, I commend you for going on it, man. I commend you for like um, diving in and committing to that process. Because when, if I look at my dating history, uh, full transparency, yeah, looks were like the first thing that caught my eye, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it's terrible to say, but I was most likely probably judgmental of people. Um, I don't know if judgmental is the right word, but like, oh, they don't seem like a partner for me or, oh, I'm not interested in that person. Just based off of looks of seeing somebody across the room and I also know, um, I also know that when you meet somebody, you can become a lot more attracted to them just mm-hmm. by talking to them and getting to know them. You're like, wow, that person's beautiful. Even though, really, at the when I first met them, they didn't stand out to me in that way. So, no, actually, 100%. I think it's wonderful. I commend you for committing to it, dude. I mean, man, you hit the nail on the head. It's just like even from even myself, like when I would go out with my friends, right? It's like you kind of base that person when you're at the bar or at a restaurant, you're like, Oh, like, yeah, yeah, like, I don't think they'd be right for me. But then even if you find a beautiful person physically, sometimes they're not the most beautiful people on the inside. You know what yeah. I mean? 
and it comes to find out. So it, it, it was definitely an experience that taught, that humbled me in terms of dating. Wow. I can't imagine. So yeah. how, how did you, how did you find you were able to make connections without being able to see the person? Uh, so what was so cool about the show is that it wasn't just like produced from like people that are just in like, you know, a bunch of Netflix shows, right? They had like relationship experts. They had, um, I think, uh, something psychologists, like uh, some psychologists that help to like just help co oh, couples therapists. That's what it was. Yeah. And what they did for us is gave us like a list of questions, right? Now they're like, you don't have to use this at all. Like you, but these questions are made by these people to like, if you ask it, and someone's receptive to it, typically it's going to get a deeper response than just like, what's your favorite color, right? Yeah, and sure. so like yeah. what one of them was, uh, what's your biggest fear? You know, or if you, like my favorite one was, if you had three people to eat dinner with dead or alive, who would they be and why, mm -hmm. right? It's like yeah. these fun questions, but what they do is that they, they allow you to see what the other, what's important to the other person. And, and then all of a sudden you're involved in the conversation because you're listening and you're engaged. Yeah. And then you're like, next thing you know, an hour passes by and you're like, holy crap like what what just happened like and now it's like you trust them more because you feel like you know that person more you yeah. know what i mean um super cool yeah i'm just thinking about that um and thinking about as i've gotten older i mean when i was 20 probably everything was based off looks you know yeah and then as you get older and you get to as i got to 30 it was more going on a date was more about like the discovery of this person and like Damn. you said well said yeah, the asking better questions. Like when people go on dates, there's a lot of very much surface level conversation. Um, and I've thought about this process. Even with friends, I try, I try and work on it in my life just in better. Like the discovery of this person doesn't even have to be romantically, but a friendship. And I think it's wonderful that, um, that you guys ask those higher level questions, the deeper thoughts, provoking questions. Dude, I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing is that like we're all like, there was a time like I think early on in college that when I when I was dating somebody we dated for like two years and I feel like even like once I went into this experience right with love is blind is like I felt like I knew more about the people on the show than I did with the girlfriend that I had for two years you know what yeah. I mean because like I it was all like it wasn't like it was all surface she was an amazing person it, it was awesome like she's she's great it's just we didn't dive deep right there was no like I know who you really are to your core because of these questions and challenges. And like, you know, it wasn't like that to an extent, obviously I was young, I was younger, but, I, but to know about it now, it's just kind of crazy to say like how important it is to get to know somebody, your friends, your family of just sit down, have some quality time and just ask these questions. Like literally a Google search can give you like a hundred, like deep thought, thought provoking questions. And yeah. you're like, Oh, I like that one. I like that one. And just ask and see what happens, you know? Um, here's a question for you. Did you find that since you couldn't see this person's face, did you find that you were a more attentive and involved listener? A hundred percent. I think when I wasn't, you know, you, what, we ha what happens when we're sitting in front of someone, right? We're, we're looking at the eye contact, worried about, you know, the th other yeah. thought process of what they're thinking. It, I just was so relaxed and I didn't feel yeah. any pressure of like just being something that I wasn't, right? I just felt like, I just had to be myself. You know what I mean? And for me, when I saw like myself towards the end of the show, it was just, it was still being me. And it, it, like, I didn't worry about what she thought of me or nothing like that. It, it allowed me to really listen to what her fears were and her thoughts about marriage and all this stuff where it's just, it, it really was comforting to, to know that like without that sight unseen that I could be myself. 
how, how did it feel when the reveal came? <laughs> oh man, I, the there initial was- thought, <laughs> I was freaking out. I'm not going to lie. Like I was <laughs> What like, were you thinking about? about like, what's she gonna think of me, or what am I gonna think of her? I was like, what's she gonna think of me? Honestly, that was my initial thought because I'm like, oh man, like I was in it. Like when I tell you, I was like, you know, head over heels the whole the whole nine yards. You know, obviously in that relationship didn't work out, but like in the reveal day, man, like my knee, I was like, don't lock out your legs. I don't want to fall back. Like just like, <laughs> oh, go back. Just just stay straight up, man. Don't just, just stay straight up. You're gonna be okay. Just breathe. And like the second the doors just open, I'm like. Oh God. Oh man. It's like, I, I can, the only way I can explain it is like when I used to play football in college, like my thing was right before we walked out, were you like getting hype? I was bouncing yeah, behind like this. Yeah. I was like, just like, whew, whew, here we go. Here we go. I was like, I was looking at the, the guy behind the camera and he's just laughing yeah. at me. Cause I'm just like, bro, like I, this, I don't, can't control this. This is just happening right now. <laughs> That's awesome, man. That's awesome. So, um, do you think you would be, so a lot of, a lot of dating now is done during like doing FaceTime or Zoom calls or that kind of thing. Like, do you think this experience would have like set you up to be a pro? You should do a master class on like FaceTime dating or Zoom calls. <laughs> Honestly, man, it, 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 it's kind of the same thing. It, it, you know, except for FaceTime, you know, you get to see the person, but you're still not there with them, right? It's yeah. still that physical presence. And like it almost with FaceTime, it allows you to kind of just be yourself too because you're just kind of like hey like you're not right next to me you're but you're still communicating from a distance right and so i i mean hell if they wanted for me to do master class on zoom like i mean or on top zoom but facetime let me know so you guys had met once but then the this emotional connection is this is established essentially digitally so it's kind of flirtatious you can tell you're investing your energy in each other do you think that like that buildup and actually that COVID might have benefited you there that kept your distance and then you could, when you met each other, you already had this investment of energy, even though it was digitally, but you had this investment of energy and you could sort of hit the ground running. You always, almost felt like you knew each other without the awkwardness of being, um, you know, meeting for the first time. No, brother. Like I'll tell you this, like when we first, I mean, met, you know what I mean? Like we met at this well, this place called the Garden Room in Atlanta. It's a nice little restaurant. It was like the day before lockdown happened, man. Like literally the day before. And you know, I, I she kind of like came up to me, wanted to take a picture, or whatever. But then we started talking and like you know, like kind of shoot. I kind of threw a little like joke in there. She threw a little joke in me. And I'm like, oh, she can kind of like throw it back and forth. You know Did what you I know mean? Right away? Did you know right away? She's interested in this. Is like uh, yeah, okay. yeah. I knew. I knew it was like an instant. Just like oh, okay, like this banter that we had going back and forth. And like, I was, you know, I got her number and then, you know, the, you know, she disappeared the rest of the night. She went with her friends and, you know, she's originally from Cleveland. So all her friends that lived in Atlanta, she kind of disappeared with them and left. And I was with uh, Cameron, my buddy from the show. And, you know, I didn't even think about it until like, you know, cause the quarantine happened. And so it was all this like, right. It's like, we didn't all this uncertainty of, you know, what's going to happen, this virus, this, what, you know, whatever. So I'm not even thinking about like, okay, relationships, dating, whatever, or even talking to someone. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like she messed, you know, she kind of messaged me on Instagram and like, you know, she was like, Hey, you know, something about still having her number. And then I did the same thing. And like, we started talking right there. We like just that DM back and forth. And then and I started texting her and it just built up into like this kind of, okay. Then we started talking on the phone and then we started FaceTiming. And one day she was just jokingly around, jokingly, I guess I, I thought she was joking goes, I was like, Hey, or I was joking. I go, Hey, like, 
why don't you come down this week to Atlanta? Cause she lives in Cleveland and she goes, I'll be there this weekend. And I was like, Whoa, okay. <laughs> Maybe next week. I was like, are you serious? She was like, yeah, no, I'm down a hundred percent. I was like, uh, how about let's try next week. So she Did finally you really push it one week. I pushed it one week. Cause I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready, man. I was like, Oh, cause it was like a Wednesday. It was like a Wednesday when, okay. she, when we did that. And, and so I was just kind of like, uh, crap. Like, oh, like, let's, uh, let's try next week just so I can like, like get myself ready. I don't know. I, I don't know why I pushed it back. And plus things were still a little closed, closed down down here in Atlanta yeah. Yeah. when she finally came down. And so when, you know, when she finally came down, things were finally opening up down South, but in Ohio, they were still closed. And so she came down. Right. And I'd never been so kind of nervous because like, mind you, we've been like FaceTiming and talking, right. And yeah. it's like emotional anticipation. And like, I'm like driving my car and I'm just, all mm-hmm. right, here we, here we go. Like, you know, and I, I haven't, dude, I haven't been like that since uh, honestly, like maybe high school, I would say like maybe college, like first couple of days, you go on a date with someone and like, dude, I'm cool as a cucumber. I go out, you know what I mean? If I'm out on a date, I love to ask the questions, get to know, you know, the girl, talk to them and, you know, just know their story. And I was nervous, you know what I mean? And my, like, I was just on a show, but it turns out she was just as nervous as I was. So yeah. I really think that connection that we had from quarantine and talking and like, you know, it was fast paced. It was right off the bat. It was just one day and boom, like, you know what I mean? It was like somewhere in the middle of, you know, May and something like that. And then boom, it just like popped up and then she came down to visit and man, it just, you know, one thing led to another. And now she's my girlfriend now. So it's, I'm happy for it's, you, buddy. congrats. That's amazing. It's crazy. We started going back and forth. So like once she visited Atlanta, I was like, this was amazing. And so let me go like one Sunday, she just booked me a ticket to go to Cleveland. She like, literally was just like, Hey, like, I, you know, I want you to come up here and I, you know, I want you to, you know, come see where I live and my, meet my friends and stuff. And dude, I went up there and I was like, yep, that's the person I want to talk to. And oh, man, it was, gosh. I love it. it I, love, there. I love this. So inspiring for our community that that real personal can, connection can come out of, you know, digital connection. If people right now um, are talking to somebody through text or through DMS or something that, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel versus saying, well, it's just fun enough, but I'm never going to meet them. Like you are a living example and inspiration for our community that yes, it can happen. And it can, it can be amplified when you meet the person. Well, Brooks, their- I, I, yeah, I, I agree with you 110%. Sorry. Like, I just think like putting yourself out there is so important and like just taking that chance, right? Like I never in my entire life thought I'd be in Cleveland, Ohio ever. I'm going to be yeah. honest with you. Like it's a couple hours away from Chicago, but I'm never like, Oh, like, you know, Cleveland, Ohio, nothing against for the people of Cleveland. They're all amazing. I like all the people of Cleveland that I've met have all been great. So it's just, I never thought I'd be in Cleveland and who would have thought just me keep being like, why not? And why not? And, you know, and just doing that back and forth with someone that I didn't even know, but we communicated enough, got that a connection. And then after we met in person, it just like kind of sealed the deal for you, you know? So what was your like, just trying to dig into your mindset with this, Mark, what was your personal experience with that? Was it ever like, what am I doing? I'm crazy. I'm messaging this girl that's in Cleveland or was it, or was it always just invested with your heart? Like, wow, I don't really care about the distance right now. I don't really care about the current conditions in the world with COVID. I'm invested in this person and what's going to come of it will come of it. What was your personal journey mindset wise? A little bit of both. If I'm being honest, Uh, a little bit of like the first thing you said of, you know, kind of like, what am I doing? You know what I mean? And, but like, I, but in the, at the same token, I was kind of following my gut, following my heart and like, just really like, and it sounds cheesy, right? Like I'm, you know, the type of guy, like I, I put a wall up, man. I'm not, you know, I, I on the, sh- uh, like, don't get me wrong. I'm very, I can be very vulnerable with people that I trust, 
But yeah. like I put a wall up, you know what I mean? And as most it, guys yeah, man, I just I'm not like an open book as much, even though I'm an extrovert and I love talking to people, you know, what I mean, I'm still like I close off, you know, to the people like that I let in and like it, it allowed me to when I kept following my gut and following my heart with this situation, I just I did it. And I just said, you know what, why not screw it? And in my, and now I think it just gave me this opportunity to find somebody because of that mentality. And like, I just trust yourself, man. I think that that was the big, the big like message for me was just trusting myself the entire time because don't get me wrong. It's crazy to think that like four days I spent in Cleveland turned into two weeks. You know, I went to Cleveland for four days, uh, the second time around and it turned into a two week, like staycation with her and like, you know, getting to know her family and friends and all this stuff. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? Yeah, you know? Right? And I just trusted it. I just, I just went with, I just went with the flow and now, man, I couldn't be happier. Honestly. I'm so happy for you. I'm also happy that you, you allowed yourself to, Go with that versus pull back from that. A lot of people oh, pull back from that and be like, oh, this is crazy. I shouldn't be doing this. And that's actually a very limiting mindset versus you actually embracing a little bit of chaos, a little bit like, wow, this is unknown territory. But like I embrace it because I'm actually involved in this person. It's it's a credit to you. And I'm glad that you guys um, that you guys are thriving for it. Um, and it's, it's funny that you say that. Like, it, I think that vulnerability that I had in the beginning of like following my gut, right. Has yeah. allowed me not like, again, I, I am emotionally invested. I'm, you know, everything connected with this person and it is, it's allowed me to be a better communicator. It's allowed me to, because I think when we go halfway in, it's like, you know, putting your toes in the water just to see if it like, dude, you just got to jump. Sometimes you just got to go yeah. and like jump yeah. in because you're going to miss an opportunity and things are going to go by and like, the right person's going to go by. Maybe you didn't talk to that person at the restaurant or didn't at the bar or wherever outing, or maybe we've all been, we've all felt that kind of regret of like, damn, I should have said something. Right. Yep. And this is the first time that I've been like a hundred percent. I'm not, I'm not going have these in this water. I'm going, I'm jumping in and I'm going to see how this goes. And if it, if it works out, I did it every, I gave it everything I had just like in sports, man. It's like, if I go, I give it all I got. If it doesn't work out, I'm going to learn something important from this. And in turn, I have grown exponentially as a man, as a partner, just everything because I, I'm invested. Everything, you know what I mean? I'm invested. I love it. Uh, when I hear you speak about that, I think of a, a an analogy that I use in my life is two feet in. So if you step in and you're two feet in, it's showing full presence. It's showing I am here, and it can be in, it can be in relationship, it can be in career, it can be in anything, friendships, it can be in whatever a project you're working on, you're just showing up. I'm like, I'm showing up. I am here. And the beauty of that is that maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't, but you showed up fully versus living your life in the alternative, which is putting one foot in, but keeping one foot out because uh, I might want to pull out. I might want to like, I'm not sure this might be difficult. It might be hard. And you just give yourself that beautiful, easy exit that is toxic to people's lives. So many people oh, man. relationship. They'll go one foot in, but they'll they'll keep options on the side or they'll only open a certain amount of their heart because they're like, ah, that I just I just want to have an exit. I just want to protect myself. And you went two feet in and dude, you're living the happiness. You're living the rewards from it. So man, I, oh my God, dude. I couldn't have said it better. Honestly, everything you just said is like two feet in. That is like because I've been that man. I I've in the past like you know what I mean? Like I, I've been the halfway, like you said, like that. Uh, oh, I got my exit strategy or, oh, let me, you know, if this doesn't work out, then it's fine. I'll be okay. Like whatever. But like, it's scary as hell. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, man. I'll be yeah. frank. It's like, yeah. it is scary as hell to just 
kind of give yourself like to give someone that your a piece of your heart, especially vulnerable like that. Right. And you know, I, again, I put walls up, man. I'm not like the type of guy that's like, Oh my God, I'm emotional, whatever. It's like, no, like this connection that I found at the beginning, what, like when, when I first met her and it lasted, you know, whatever, like all that time and the anticipation until we finally met kind of gave me that, like, okay, like this is, is this going to work? You know, I, I, I feel it. It's real. And even if it doesn't work out, in in this relationship the long term then like i committed to it and that to me is like the world's yeah. biggest lesson you know yeah um mark i'm gonna ask you because i've been through this as well i've been two feet in and i just want to see if our journeys were parallel um stepping two feet in didn't mean that i didn't have any hesitation didn't mean that i that i wasn't guarded at all and opened everything up i was still a, like a an onion that had to like you had to peel and it had to get in it wasn't just Oh, two feet in and my heart is wide, wide open. Um, but what it was, was it was two feet in saying, I'm committed. I'm here. I take my steps forward. Um, I'm also scared. I'm also unsure and uncomfortable because I've never been here before, but I know that this is right for me and whatever comes from this will come. But please, you know, you hope you have a partner that respects that and will handle you somewhat gently at your pace. Some people are better at opening up right away. Other people, like you said, you have guards up. Like you can take your step forward with two feet and be present, committed into this relationship, but also be like, yeah, and I'll, I'm still working to try and fully open up and fully get there with you. But like, I'm here. So just please, you know, please help me along the way. Dude, I, that's exact, like 110%. It's not like, just because I'm two feet in committed doesn't mean that I'm not like, oh, like wow yeah. and you know again if you don't cuss on this program i'm sorry i, I just like i'm being <laughs> uh, but like it's just it's, it's just trans to be transparent man it is scary as hell because you're just you're not used it's not that you're not used to it it's just it, it, it's that ultimate vulnerability right and for that it, but think about it for that other person right just as much as i want them to be patient with me in this journey it's like you almost have to think about like like it's like that saying like their love languages right what are yeah. how do they how do they love how do you love and then how do they love and you're yeah. you're literally taking into consideration another person person's pace as well like it's it's not just you it's like when you're two feet in i feel like that's when you're the most present and when you have someone else that's two feet in it's just like it, it's a revolving door man it just goes it keeps going and keeps going and keeps going and like it's scary though because you don't want it to stop you know yeah. And, you know, I'm just being honest with you. I'm just being honest with you. It's, it's, it's a scary thing, but I think that that's what that ultimate courage is to jump in and take that step. Because if you don't take that shot, you could be missing out on the world's best relationship or best experience, even if it doesn't work out. So well said. So well said. There's another way to say it, like burn the boats. Like get on the island and burn the boats. Like when you build in an exit, when you build in a plan B and an exit, um, I just believe you're going to find a way to it. Because life is hard, man. Relationships are hard. You will be challenged. Things will go wrong. And if you have that built in, it's why like my dad is like, what are you going to do if you don't make the NHL and become a hockey player? I'm like, dad, there is no other option. I'm going to make it. Like, that's because the only thing I see. Yeah. You know, it's the only thing I see. And so even with the relationship, maybe heartbreak does come. In your, in your case, you're happy. And I hope that for, and I pray for that for everybody that they're happy. But maybe heartbreak does come or it doesn't work out. You at least know at the end of the day, you stepped forward. You were there. You gave it a chance. The universe isn't perfect. Not everything is going to work out. You're going to have some trials before you have your victories, you know? 
but you stepped forward and I want to encourage our community, our listeners, take your steps forward, show up, give your true authentic self. And from that, the best growth, like you said, happiness, it's the only way you're ever going to fully find the happiness that we're all searching for. The happiness is right on the other side of that fear, you know, but I commend you, man, for doing that, for opening your heart and stepping in saying, I'm scared. I'm damn, I'm scared. Like if you look, I'm a duck fluttering my feet under the water. I might look calm, but like, this is a learning process for me too. But um, Dude, I just, you, you said it perfect. You said it yeah. perfect. And I think like another thing too, for the, for the community, man, and this is just like that touching thought is like, there's no such thing as that like notebook movie style relationship, man. It's not, that's like the, 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 these relationships that have like one problem and then they solve it and then everything's good at that one moment. It's like, it's you think about how two people, you grow up two different ways, man. And it's like, you have to understand that when you meet that person, it's not just the, the journey doesn't stop when you meet them and then they're your boyfriend or girlfriend. It, it doesn't stop there. That it's just getting started. Cause yeah. now you're just like, Oh wow. Like you're raised this way. I was raised this way. But as long as we got the same principles, we're going to make it work this way. Oh, you like celebrating Thanksgiving. I like it. And, and it's just little things that like, but then you fall in love with those little things, right? you you see those, the way they act, the way they communicate. And like, then you start to kind of like work together and like, it's not this fairy tale storybook, but the the trials, like you're saying, the hardships are what makes it kind of beautiful. If that makes sense, yeah. you know what I mean. Yeah. That, like it's, it's like people are too scared for the hardships. They want the fairy tale. And my point, you know what I mean. They want that fairy tale, happy, 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 happy. Happy is an emotion. You got to understand. It's like you got to understand. Like when you go through life, life is tough. And if you got another person there that's got your back, and you guys are gonna get through these hard times, and like dude, that's why not take that leap of faith, you know, yeah. but just having that perspective of like relationships aren't easy, but they're, they're like a, a, a good challenge, you know, that yeah. then it's easier to take that next step forward. Cause no matter what you're going to like learn something. So why do you think people aren't able to do that? Just in your opinion, why were you able to, and why, why do some people, cause I had a friend yesterday I was talking to, I provided an amazing solution and he provided a problem with it. I provided another solution. He's three hours away from here, has to get here in two days. I was like, rent a car. He's like, no, I don't want to do that. I was like, take the bus. He's like, I don't think I should do that either. I was like, you could fly. He's like, well, I don't know about airports. And I was like, how many, how many solutions do I need to provide that you're just going to find a problem for? Dude, I, I think, I think Why what it think is, and like I said, like I said, like I said in the beginning, I like, I've been that one foot in one foot out, right? We've we've been there. I think when, you know, I've, I've faced certain challenges in my life. You face challenges in your life, right? And like, you know, even being a professional hockey player, man, the pressure, the scrutiny, the things that you've had to endure, like I've had my own rock bottom and like I've pulled myself out of it. And I think a lot of folks are running from their past and running from things that mistakes that they've made or things that their family has made. Hmm. And they don't want to end up like something that they don't like. It, it's like that public ridicule, right? They're, it's like they're worried about what everyone else is thinking. In my opinion, I think that, folks are scared to take the next step because they haven't either forgiven a past mistake or they don't want to end up looking like someone that was like the talk of the family. Right. We all have those family members that like, wow, I can't believe Joe married that person. And like, Oh my God, like, Oh, like, can you believe that? Like, wow. They just up and like, no, like if you care too much about public opinions and if you keep living in your past, like, I think that you're always going to be scared to take that next leap because the past is comfortable. It's what you know. 
And you don't know, no one knows what a new relationship is going to be. You don't yeah. know, like, yeah, you have the possibility of getting your heart broken. You have the possibility of like, you meet their family, you get in, you know, you get in deep with them and you, you almost like connected with them. And then all of a sudden it doesn't work out. But at the end of the day, who are you after that? You know, like who, who are you after your rock bottoms? Who am I after my rock bottoms? Right. To, to this point now, it's like, I think people are scared to make that next step, but it's like, that's where the ultimate freedom is. And that's where your ultimate growth is. It's like, the person you become after that rock bottom, man. Like, even if it doesn't work out, it's like, you're better than who I was three years ago. I would personally, me, I would slap myself like who I was three years ago. You know what I mean? Like, like three years ago, like you kidding me? Five years ago, six, like it doesn't matter. It's like, but I'm where I'm supposed to be. So I know that I have that ultimate confidence now that because I've forgiven myself for my mistakes, and I don't care what other people think about me in terms of like my family or whatever. Like I care what my parents think, but in terms of like all, everybody else and stuff like that, I'm like, I got myself to make proud. So if I mess up in a relationship or something like that, only thing that's going to happen, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to cheat on them. I'm not going to do dumb stuff. Like whatever. It's like, I'm going to be honest. And as long as I gave it a hundred percent, I'm yeah. not going to regret it, yeah. you know? And then I'm going to be a better person after that. So what do I got to lose at that point? Yeah. And when you have that mindset and when you, are kind of like happy for the challenges. You're like, Ooh, this is an opportunity for us to grow together. And it's okay if they don't want to, but like, I think that's what people are scared of is to like step away from what the, like what they're comfortable with. Yeah, very much so. And so it's a limiting, it's a, it's a limiting uh, characteristic or belief mindset in their life. And so their results will only be so much, or they'll look at it with the be confused the rest of their life. How can they never got what they wanted in life? It does take, I'll say this in total, total transparency and honesty for the community, it takes courage. Sometimes you just need to go. You have to step forward. You have to commit. You have to open yourself up. It takes courage. And the community will know when those moments come and just have courage in them. Brother, I love your story. I hope it's an inspiration for our community. It for sure it is. Somebody that found the connection and partnerships during COVID. Amazing. Uh, Mark, where can everybody find you? Where can they, they get this daily dose of inspiration? Brother, so I'm on Instagram, Twitter. I am also on YouTube now. I got a YouTube channel like building up. So that's everything is my full name, Mark Anthony Cuevas. I don't know my mom wanted me to be almost like the singer, I guess. But Mark Anthony Cuevas with an underscore. Uh, YouTube just typed in my full name. And yeah, that's kind of like where I, I live off right now. It's just my personal training. I do fitness, uh, just my life. And yeah, there's everything. That's where I'm at, man. And you're, uh, you're training for a fight, right? Training for a fight. So I'm uh, next year, 2021, when everything starts, stay tuned. I'm, uh, you know, I've been training every morning. I actually trained this morning too. So train this morning, man. It, it's it's so just like I, I, did, I fought last year. I won my first fight, and now I'm ready to like, okay, now let's like step it up, the competition, and go back into it. And now I'm ready to like train hardcore. Right now it's like – we're still in those parameters, like still taking it like yep. you know, th three times a week or whatever. But like once that training camp starts, man, it's time to go. It's time to go. Uh, I can't wait to tune in. I'm going to be just like, I was just like, well, no, let's go. Brother, I appreciate you. Appreciate your inspiration. Thank you so much. You've given our, you've given our community hope in a time where so many people are lacking it. So I'm happy for you, buddy. Send my best to your lovely gal. Um, and we'd love to have you back on here. Let's connect again. Bro, I'd love to, man. Appreciate it, TRC, and uh, the opportunity to be on, man. And dudes, just stay safe, man. Stay blessed. Thanks, Mark. Okay, we'll be right back after this break with another special guest that's going to elaborate a little bit more on this. Thanks, Mark. Be well, bud. <laughs>
back from break, uh, Mark was awesome. Mark Cuevas was awesome. I hope that it that inspires our community that you can find connection, you can find partnership in this really unique time of COVID. And now we have another super special guest that's going to give us some more insight on this topic, plus much more. We have uh, an amazing, amazing lady. Her name is Dr. Wendy Walsh, and she's an award-winning television journalist. She's a current radio host and podcaster, new to the podcast game, at KFI AM 640, iHeartMedia. She's the author of three books uh, and thousands and thousands of print and digital articles. And this is my favorite thing. She was a person of the year for Time Magazine in 2017. That is so cool. Um, she teaches in the psychology department at California State University. Uh, welcome to the show, um, Dr. Wendy Walsh. I'm happy to be here. A my, fellow Canadian. My fellow Canadian, my buddy. I always say that when I meet Canadians, I'm like, my buddy. I just buddy. feel like... <laughs> I feel like I want to serve you some poutine, eh? Oh, uh, yeah. You're from out east, aren't you? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I miss what? Uh, here's a quick question. We'll get to everything we want to talk about, but what do you miss most about Canada? Because um, you live in the US now. Yes. I've, I've lived half my life there and half my life here, and I have dual citizenship. And so I really feel both things. Um, I would say collectivism. And it's sort of ironic that, you know, because most Canadians believe that what is good for the masses is good for the individual. And most Americans believe what is good for the individual is ultimately good for the masses. And I left because of the collectivism, because I was such an individual and I didn't like how repressive it felt. But then when I got into the business of motherhood and raising children, I was like, huh, Canadians are more supportive of families. In America, you feel really on your own. Mm. And so I do miss it. Yeah. I mean, we don't call us socialists by any means. Yeah. We're definitely capitalists in Canada, but it's you know, there's, there are more social programs to support people. It's, it's amazing what you just said, because I'm actually studying it in my life. I'm actually reading a book on it. Um, group flow. Mm. group flow versus the individual flow. Individual flow is really easy. What am I doing? What are my needs? How can I, this is what I need and my time, my schedule, my, right? That's individual flow. But group flow is organizing power of multiple. And so like on a team, that's why I love team sports. We really nailed group flow. Um, you needed to come together and have chemistry to, to execute on the ice together as a hockey player, as a team. Um, but then also you had to get to the bus at the same time, the plane at the same time, the hotel, the team dinner. And if one person was off, the whole group flow was thrown off. And so it's, I've been thinking, and this book that I'm reading touches on group flow through a digital world. Which oh, is fascinating. Yeah, which is what we're now really living in, especially during COVID. So I kind of want to touch on that. Like we just chatted with Mark about Mark's a success story during COVID, how he found connection and partnership during COVID through the digital world, through some texting, some messaging, eventually phone calls and FaceTime. Um, I just want to get your insight onto that based on your experience. Like, is it possible for people, Mark has proven it to be true, but for the masses who are struggling right now, maybe feeling alone or lonely or hopeless, can they find connection during this time? Can they find a group flow while disconnected from their friends or people? Yeah, and I mean, you can think, Brooks, of a relationship as the ultimate group, right? 
And we're constantly, even in our most intimate romantic relationships, in a struggle between preserving our autonomy and joining the union because two brains can accomplish way more than any single brain can accomplish alone. And so, but the thing that COVID has done, it's a gift to many relationships because it's such a make or break time. We have to think about that, you know, during the history of human evolution, life was such a struggle and we needed, I mean, sometimes people will say that gender roles evolved because we needed somebody to have sort of an area of expertise and the other person an area of expertise and together they created these offspring that grew, etc. I'm not a proponent of traditional gender roles necessarily, but now we got to a place where you know women didn't need relationships necessarily economically uh we were all so healthy and living so long people were exchanging partners all the time because it just felt okay and all of a sudden we hit our first of our generation a first big life crisis right and then people are looking at their current partner and going whoa is this the person i want to be with in a crisis or if they're single they're like no, no, I need to look for a specific kind of partner now, someone who's really got my back, who can help me in this crisis. So wow. it's, up, it's up the value of a relationship. What do you think? Because um, most people, most people, when they think of a relationship, they think of like, how is my life better? They think of the good times, mm-hmm. right? The, the most common thought in a relationship is like, wow, the good times are so good. This person's so fun. I love them. They're so kind, gentle hearted. My family loves them. We love to travel. We love dogs, whatever, they think of the good times. Do you think that COVID has really made people reassess like the strength or lack thereof of their partner in the bad times and how important that might be as well? Because we say them in our vows when you get married through sickness and health, good and bad, you know, but it's kind of the bad is kind of overlooked. We all like the good. Exactly. And of course, you're, you know, brilliant question. And you're speaking from the mouth of a 37 year old healthy alpha male. So of course, relationships are about pleasure seeking. What's the good here, right? But life is a little bit about survival and struggle. We just haven't been faced with a lot of survival struggles yet in this generation. So yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's looking at your partner. I mean, a relationship is an exchange of care. And a care can take so many forms. It can be financial care. It can be sexual care. It can be domestic responsibility care. It can be emotional support care. It can be physical support if someone's sick. It can be intellectual stimulation care. And if you look at a relationship from the outside, it may not look fair to you. But from the inside, those partners believe it's a fair exchange. Hmm. Wow. Amazing. Um... What advice would you have for our community right now that's struggling to find connection? You know, because so many people, one, people are disconnected from their friends and coworkers, which most of us love. <laughs> you know, some of us maybe don't like our coworkers. I don't know, but I love mine, everybody, part of this iHeartRadio team. I love you all. But um, further to that, even, what about people that are like struggling to find romantic connection, intimate connection? You know, what advice would you have for those people? I love that we shared Mark's story. He's an inspiration to our community, but you know, you host a podcast called Mating Matters, which deals with connection. Um, what advice would you have for a community struggling to find that right now? 
Well, mating matters is all about evolutionary psychology and what our brains have evolved to be and what we're facing in our current environment. Like for instance, dating apps. So dating apps are both a blessing and a terrible curse. The blessing is that from the comfort of your own home, you don't even have to get dressed up. You can just swipe through and find so many potential potential mates. That's the good side. Uh, the downside of dating apps is that they biohack your brain, right? They take advantage of something called a paradox of choice. So the more choice humans are given, the less likely they are to make a choice. And when they do make a choice, they're less likely to value that choice. So what you have to do is, and remember, apps are not in business of getting you to leave the app and find a mate. Apps are in the business of getting you addicted to the apps. So it's really important that you fight the biohacking by limiting how many people you're texting and talking to and to get them off the app as soon as possible, to call them and use other ways to get information, talking, uh, FaceTime, using, you know, looking at body language and, and everything. Um, and, and also I wanna say one other thing is that you know, in the early stages of getting to know somebody, it's really easy to stay what I call on the surface. And, you know, yeah. one, or two, one or two chats, you do want to stay there. You don't want to go right to the beginning going, so how is your relationship with your mother? Yeah. You don't want to start there. <laughs> but um, This is a fun date. <laughs> <laughs> I love maybe my mom. I would, talk, I would talk pleasantly about it, though. Okay, keep going. Sorry. Maybe that's why they don't call me back. I just figured yeah. that out. No. <laughs> so anyway... You want to stay light and surfacey for a little bit, but then quickly you want to be your authentic self. So rather than just talking about music and movies and sports and, you know, do, do you like the same color or food? Why don't you talk about, you know, what a relationship means to you, what your deepest fears are, what, um, you know, what you think you're really good at and you're proud of accomplishing and what things you'd like to improve on as a human being, what areas you want to grow. And you start in those places. I don't know if you've ever done that. Uh, uh, New York Times devised 36 questions to fall in love. Oh, I have There's not, but we have to do it. I'm, I want to do it. There's an app as well. So it's fascinating because if you, it takes about 90 minutes to go through, but if you do it, you will have feelings of love for that person. Now, I want to explain that the feelings of love that you're going to have are actually feelings of intimacy. And especially for men who have so many men have been acculturated not to get in touch with their feelings or share feelings with other people. Um, when they have that moment where they start expressing feelings, they're like, oh, it must be love, right? <laughs> uh, because it's, it's 36 questions designed that start light and then get deeper and deeper. And uh, I've seen videotapes of couples that have never set eyes on at the end of 90 minutes, they interview them separately and say, how do you feel? And he's like, ah, really into her. It just makes you get to the real core of the person. Really interesting. Um, that's amazing. I would definitely want to take that test or, or look at that. Um, so for people that are on dating apps, you touched on it. At one point you touched on it, I thought it was great. Um, limit the amount that you are talking to and how choice will lead to lack of choice, really. An abundance of choice will lead to you having a lack of choice. How many people would you recommend that somebody, if somebody is messaging multiple people right now, but striving for that deeper connection, um, how do you recommend they go about that? How many people should they talk to? Just one? Yeah, you're not going to like my news. Uh, you might be texting two or three or four, 
But once you get one on the phone, you know, do a human being a solid and just don't look at the app for a little while, like even a few days, like just focus on one human at least for, you know, we're not talking about getting married or saying this person's my significant other. We're talking about just allowing them to occupy the headspace instead of the static in your brain of comparing three people. Who wants to be compared anyway, right? Yeah. And so just as respect, uh, and then when you know, and it may be that it never advances from phone call to Zoom, or it does, and then from Zoom, it might be a socially distanced outdoor date or a walk or something. Um, and then maybe even at the end of that, you might say, you know, it's been great getting to know you. You might be a good, you know, business contact, or I might have a friend I could fix you up with. I don't think romance is in the cards for us, but, you know, nothing about like being respectful to somebody. Um, I'm not a big fan of the ghosting. Now, ghosting when you're just texting makes sense, but if you've actually met someone and talked on the phone, to ghost them is like such a wimpy move. Yeah, really. Yeah. Um, we've had many conversations about that. Many of the questions we get from our listeners are, why do men ghost me? Well, women ghost too. Well, for sure. But we, a lot of, a lot more, we've had a lot more females message in about men doing it. Um, and men are definitely guilty of doing it. I'm not saying women are either. But. Well, I'll tell you the main reason, right? So men, it's politically incorrect to say, but it's the absolute scientific truth. Men want more sex than women and men want more partners than most women. So if they say to a woman, hey, I'm not really into you, you should just go away. They're cutting off a potential sexual opportunity. What if they have a dry spell? They can circle back to that girl and go, oh, I'm so sorry. We must have had a technical problem. <laughs> stuck on 3G. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, what are you seeing as opportunities right now that weren't maybe so prominent or present with COVID? Like I look at the world like everything is an opportunity, right? So from COVID, new businesses are going to come up when other businesses are going to shut, but new, new things are going to come from this. Um, new opportunities are being birthed right now during this unique time where uh, people think this is a time of lacking, you know, like what, what opportunities do you foresee in the dating world that people are maybe overlooking or not seeing right now? You know, it's just another stressor in the environment and we grow with all stressors. We are the reason why we're the animal that took over the planet is because we have this ability to adapt to different kinds of environmental challenges. Trust me, we're not the top of the food chain. Lions and sharks are right, but we still manage to control even them. So, um, what I think this is an opportunity for many people to do is to slow down the early stages of a relationship and build a little bit of emotional intimacy before they jump into bed. You know, because we've entered this no rules relationship revolution, which in some ways is great. It's really great. It's that you're not under this pressure to have a, a, a definition of a relationship too early and you can sleep with whoever you want and, and, and experiment sexually with all kinds of things. That's all great. But that doesn't lead you to that one-on-one -on -one trust and emotional support. So being forced to stay distant forces you to use other skills and to talk about things like the F word, feelings, and yeah. really, yeah. really connect with someone. So I think it's a, I think it's a, for many people, a blessing in disguise. Yeah, that's what Mark was saying earlier. He said that 
COVID and the inability to be in proximity to the person led to just an, a, a lot of conversation, a lot of discussion and the emotional occupying of space in the other person's world and in your world versus physically being in the space and having that actually confuse things yeah. you know, or speed things up too fast and get too far ahead of ourselves because you're physically, you, you might go too fast because you're really attracting each other. And he said they, him and his girlfriend, now girlfriend, really bonded emotionally. And that space in each other's lives grew emotionally through the digital connection that then when they met, oh, boom, it was just fireworks when they met. And maybe if it happened differently, maybe they might have like together, maybe in real life, it might have fallen apart some way. Maybe they wouldn't have built that solid foundation of connection and appreciation and discovery of somebody to allow the physical to then follow it. I have this theory, actually, that the brain can't tolerate a double whammy of physical intimacy and emotional intimacy at the same time it's just too embarrassing so people that head right into bed um, all of a sudden sort of shut down emotionally like the emotional growth in the relationship stops at that point because they're trying to be cool and they're exposing themselves in so many vulnerable physical ways that it would be just way too much to expose your heart at the same time so it often starting with the physical while it's a whole lot of fun it can be a trick too because of course it produces that cocktail of neurohormones called lust that makes you feel feelings of love but you're like mm, but i just met this person so how can it be right yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite theories of love is by dr robert sternberg um, at stanford and he um, or davis i think he's at uc davis uh, he does a triangular triangular theory of love. He studied a lot on intelligence too. And he believes that love has three prongs. One is passion, which is that lust we talked about. Okay. The other is commitment. And that's where your brain does a cost-benefit analysis and goes, okay, so the sex hormones have died down, but our families like each other and uh, she's nice to my dog and they seem like good people. And okay, I'm going to make this commitment intellectually. And right. the other is emotional intimacy. And so relationships can have one, two, or three of these prongs, right? We all like to imagine that we're going to have great sexual passion, a good commitment and trust and loyalty, and that we're going to have emotional intimacy. But that doesn't always happen. You might have commitment and passion, and that's called a quickie Las Vegas wedding right after you met, right? You're so into each other that you rush to make that commitment. You might have intimacy and passion, but no commitment. And these might be people who are having an affair. Maybe they have another primary partner. So they have deep emotional intimacy. Uh, you know, she's talking about the problems with her husband. He's talking about the problems with his wife. They really are, and they have great sex, but there's no commitment there. Or you might have uh, commitment and emotional intimacy without the passion, and you would call that mature companionate love, like a wonderful set of grandparents who are like, you know, the sex thing's done for us, but we have all kinds of reasons to stay connected. Wow. That's one. I've never heard that before. That's wonderful. And I bet everybody is sitting there like me, just like analyzing a relationship being like, oh, what was present? What wasn't present when yeah. they're doing this? Um, so would you recommend that couple, couples then would take that and, and individually just explore it, what they feel is because I think if you ask both people in the relationship, they might you might get a different answer. Well, I think we have this and I think we have this. Does that ever happen? And do you advise couples to like take those three things, those uh, passion, emotional, emotional intimacy and commitment and, and commitment and 
I'm sure, like you said, you're going to be strong at two, but maybe have to work on the third. And just like you said, some of the conflict in relationships come because one person is giving two of those things and the other person is giving two other ones. Yeah. In other words, so like, uh, let's use the example of a guy who's really in love with a woman and he's sharing his heart. He's giving a lot of emotional intimacy. They're having rocking sex. But for whatever reason, maybe her own attachment style, she's not about to make him a public boyfriend. Okay. And so she's not making that commitment. Yeah. So he's stuck in this place of longing and hope, right? And at the same time, she's feeling kind of giving too much intimacy. Besides that triangle that I talk about, the other thing that's really important for couples to learn is each individual's attachment style, right? Some people can tolerate a lot of emotional intimacy and yeah. some people can't, like they run from it and they can get physically intimate, but it's just too much. They were either brought up in a family of origin that didn't talk about feelings or as a young baby, when their brain was tripling in size, their needs were not met by their caregiver. So their deep belief system is my needs can't be met. So I'm independent. Mm -hmm. I will make sure I'm not counting on you. I'll make sure I'm not dependent on you. So some of the biggest problems, and this is a really common couple, is the anxious, we call it the anxious attached person. This is the person checking their iPhone constantly, counting the number of words in the text, counting the number of minutes between the text. They're vigilantly watching for signs of abandonment, right? And then they meet the avoidant person. And by the way, they have really great sex. They're known to have the best sex of any couple, and they're known to last actually the longest years, but they're also known to be the most unhappy couple. I was just gonna say, they gotta be terribly unhappy. Yeah, yeah. They'll stay together because it's this constant chase. Yeah. The avoidant, the uh, anxious one is having these moments of, oh, I see her or him in her intimate moment when we're having this great sex. And then the avoidant one is just like, okay, this is too much. I've got to take a break right after sex. And then the run starts again. The little chase starts again. Oh, why is dating so hard, Wendy? Hey. You know, a relationship is a gymnasium for your mind. It's a workout for your brain. And when people say, oh, you know, I took some time off for dating so I could just heal and grow. And I'm like, you know what? If you're sitting on a mountaintop meditating, thinking you're going to improve your relationships, all you're doing is avoiding. The yeah. only way to improve relationships is to go into relationships and try to be more conscious each, with each one. Mm. Try to pick better partners, perhaps. More importantly, try to be a better partner in each yeah. relationship. And that's how we grow. I think that's a wonderful one, too, because I always want to put it back on the responsibility of the individual what you said is try and be a better partner. Exactly. You know, that's, I believe that's truly how you will grow. Um, show up as a better version of yourself. I try and do it every day. Every day I try and be a better version of myself, but certainly in a relationship. And if you're bouncing from relationship to relationship, instead of just saying, well, I can't meet the right person, the right person, they're not even out there. I'm meeting these wrong guys, just if you, or girls, if you can just continually, I believe what you put out into the world, you're going to attract. You know, and if you can show up as an authentic, real, genuine, invested person that I just, I truly just believe the universe is going to bring magic together and it's going to put your person in front of you. And I also want to say that there is a myth out there that having a healthy relationship is about finding the right partner. It's not. 
Having a we, healthy relationship is about having good relationship skills. Relationships ooh. are far less about luck and a lot more about skill. What kind of skills? So um, here's something I heard. I want to dive into this. This is really interesting, Wendy. Um, one thing I heard on a podcast one time, a gentleman was talking about successful relationships, whether it be personal relationships or business relationships. He said successful relationships um, have similar values with complementary skills. Mm-hmm. So their values are the same. Maybe this person is strong at commitment and this person is strong at communication or something, but their skills complement each other. Um, what kind of skills are you talking about that are need that are present for a successful relationship? Well, when we look at research on long-term committed couples who report that they've had a lot of happiness, mm-hmm. those are my favorite couple, couples to study because I'm like, who are they? Let's figure this out. Um, They report they do a couple things that are really interesting. One is they tend to hold positive memories for a really long time. That's why you see couples uh, redo their vows when they get in the doldrums of marriage 12 years later. They'll have another fake wedding, right? That's why they go back to where they went on their first date, where they went on their first honeymoon. They're trying to recreate the feelings. Also, when they are in conflict. So people who have a poor attachment style and don't have good conflict resolution skills, when they're in an argument or a fight, they literally forget who their partner is. And their partner becomes an adversary, an object to be angry with. They can't hold the good and the bad at the same time. Mm. Healthy partners are able to go, all right, she's losing her right now. But I remember all those times when she's been there for me, had my back or been a good mom. I'm going to ride through this. Mm -hmm. And so what they're able to do is hold the positive qualities of their partner in their mind at the same time that the chaos is happening. Yeah, I get it. Uh, And you hear about communication skills all the time. But what does it really mean to have good communication skills? It's actually not talking. It's about learning to listen and mirror what you think you heard, giving it back to them. So I'm hearing that when I came home three nights late, that you actually felt abandoned by me. No, I'm just pissed. You just weren't there. But it seems like that hurt you. Well, yeah, it pissed me off. Well, you see, and you're giving names to feelings. And after a while, they calm down because they feel so heard and seen. Mm -hmm. I think listening is such an underrated skill. It is such a part of communication. Um, And I've shared it on this podcast many times, but uh, in relationships, I try and say, listen to understand, don't listen to reply. That's so brilliant because we spend our time thinking of our comeback instead of just like, like, what are they feeling? Yeah. Yeah. Like just waiting to get, Oh, are you finished? So I can say my thing, you know, then it's just, then it's a, we're not even communicating. I'm yelling, you're yelling, or like, I'm just trying to get my point across. You're trying to get your point across, but nothing is being exchanged between us. And so listening is such a powerful skill. And if you can listen to understand and then even take a pause, you know, when somebody tells you something and then you just listen and you don't respond, They're kind of like, what you, what's going on? What's going on? I'm like, I'm just listening. They're kind of shocked because like, people in general don't listen, mm. you know? 
listening but also been- interpreting what you believe you heard. Like I have a technique, yeah. I don't have a clinical practice now, but I used to have a technique where if there was an arguing couple, I would, have, I would light a little candle and I'd say only the person holding the candle can talk. And if you get angry, the candle's going to blow out because you're going to blow it out with all of your, bre- your hot air and breath, right? And the other person has to hold it in while they say whatever they need to say. But I give them a pen and paper to make some notes. So I'm like, if you're just worried about your comeback and what you're going to say, just put it on the paper so you won't forget it. It'll be there. But when I pass the candle over, the first thing I ask the, the next person to say is, tell me three things you just heard. Ooh. Because they're not, they're thinking about what they want to respond. And it's over safe on the paper. They can come back with that. Don't worry. They haven't lost it. But tell me three things you've just heard that person say. In your words, because we want to put it now in our words so we can interpret it, right? Incredible. Oh, man. It's so, relationships are such a dance. But they're so, they're so wonderful. Like you learn so much, you grow so much. You know, you discover so much. There's so many parts of myself that I was didn't know existed in me or I had shut off or I wasn't in tune with um, that have been opened up through not only through a relationship, but through friendships, through people that are different than me, you know, like living my whole life in a locker room, um, being around kind of the same kind of man, having friends that are musicians or artists or dancers or that see the world and are emotionally so much different has just blossomed different parts of me which is wonderful and relationships do it too. Um, I mean, you know, Charles Darwin said, we are, you know, it is survival of the fittest who will survive. And we call that natural selection. Mm -hmm. But actually, sexual selection is far more important in our evolution. So it didn't matter if there was a great caveman who had uh, a cave lined with the best furs and made his own fire and killed all the best protein. If he could not shoot his genes into the future and put them in a good mother who would then shoot those genes into the next generation, he fell out of evolution's chain. Mm. And so mate selection for both men and women is the most important part of human existence. And that's why I study the science of love. That's why mating matters is all about human behavior that links to human mating strategy. Oh, I want to hear all about it. So let's talk about that. Mating matters is your podcast. And so for people looking for their partner, like I've said it a million times on the show, the most important thing in my life, Wendy, is to be a loving partner and to be a loving father. Mm. That's, That's that's my greatest version of me that I could ever see is to be a loving husband and a loving father. And hopefully to receive the love you deserve. Too. Absolutely. That part of it too. But um, the like selecting a partner that shares those values, you know, not just for me, but because that's, that's the values that they have in their own life. Um, I really, I really want to check out, mating matters just to hear because it's such a complex process yeah you know maybe you like somebody but oh i just don't see them as a mother or it's not the fit that i want or maybe they have great characteristics or i don't know but like choosing the person like my greatest dreams i can't fulfill by myself i can't i need a partner to do you need girls (laughs) (laughs) you need a womb okay so one of the episodes of mating matter is called i think it's called 
an alpha male and his junk food sex. And I use the term junk food sex this way. So we, as far as our diet is concerned, we as human beings evolved to have an insatiable craving for salt, sugar, and fat. These were three vital but trace nutrients in our past. Mm. So as a result, today's modern food industry stuffs everything with salt, sugar, and fat because they know that we will respond to it because our bodies are used to living in an environment where it was hard to get. So the same thing goes with sex. So think of this. For millions of years, we roamed the planet in mostly related clans of about 35 people. And we were mostly smelling our stinky brother and sister. And anytime a new hunter from another tribe would walk in, all the girls would sit up straight because it was so rare to have a new set of genes. And we would literally smell the pheromones. That's how you can tell if somebody has very different genes, especially the genes around immune system. It's a whole nother episode. But um, what happens today? And so in the course of our entire lifetime as homo sapiens, we never laid eyes on more than 150 humans. Now, think about that's what we're wired for. Now think about today where we have thousands of new potential mates, a thumb swipe away, where we are in crowded cities, in crowded nightclubs, on crowded subways. And so it's being triggered like salt, sugar, and fat. We must have sex with that. We must have sex with that. We must have sex with that because that was a scarcity way back when. So this episode called An Alpha Male and His Junk Food Sex, I got an email from a guy who played basketball. And he's confused because he was 24 years old, has had at that point more than 200 sexual partners, no idea how to have a relationship. And what had happened in his life that made him reach out to me is one of his sexual partners became pregnant and kept the baby. So now he has a baby daughter who's just a few months old and his head is spinning about what he should be doing. And when I talked to him, it's actually a very long and wonderful interview. He was very open and honest. But one of the things I said to him is maybe this daughter is such a gift because now you're shopping for her best stepmother. He was like, oh, I never thought of it that way. Yeah. Wow, that's wonderful. I got to check out Mating Matters. Tell us a little bit more about Mating Matters. So I have my first episode. Yeah, the first episode is called Hidden Eggs, Why We're the Only Primate That You Can't Tell When We're Fertile. You know, all the other monkeys have those big red monkey butts that you saw in National Geographic when you were a kid, right? Those swellings. Uh, We don't. We have hidden fertility. So I explain why we have hidden fertility. And I explain why men in certain ways can tell when and how a woman is ovulating. Also, since many women don't even know that they're ovulating, here's a fun studies and I interview scientists as well as real people. Um, Some scientists studied strippers, exotic dancers, and their tips. And they found, and and their menstrual cycles. And they found that whenever the stripper was ovulating, she made nine times the amount of tips. But if they interviewed her and asked her why, she always said, oh, I had an off night or I had a good night. I don't know, maybe I danced better or whatever. So they tried to figure out what was it that caused men to part with their money? And there are a number of factors, but I'll give you only a couple because I want you to listen to the whole episode. But one is that women's voices change just slightly when they're ovulating. 
really but soft. A little breathier, just a little softer. There's some more air in their voices, like Marilyn Monroe singing "Happy Birthday." Mr. President, right? And so in order to actually make the big tips as an exotic dancer, you have to book the lap dances. Well, how do you book a lap dance from up on stage? Clubs are notoriously very loud and they're very dark. And how do you book a lap dance? You walk up to somebody and you say in their ear, would you like a lap dance? And they hear in the voice, and they wow. don't know it, but they know they'll pay more for that lap dance. Wow, it's amazing how that shows up, how that yeah. present. And there are many other ways too. I don't wanna give away the whole episode. So then we have another episode um, about dating and how the dating apps biohack our brain called Dating Apathy. We have a great one called Pornography. Are we allowed to swear on your podcast? Yeah, you go ahead. Okay, it's called Pornography Mindfuck. And it's about how pornography also biohacks the male brain. And we interview this really interesting, oh, he happens to be Canadian. I think he's from Western University or something, but he actually studies insects. And he was in Australia studying this particular uh, breed of black beetle that was starting to go extinct and they couldn't figure out why. And he was out in the wilderness camping and he started noticing that on this road, all these truckers would throw these particular brown beer bottles out the window as they drove. So they were littered with beer bottles everywhere. And they were the little, we used to call them the stubbies, the yeah. short ones. And I don't know if you remember, but sometimes they had that little bumps on them so they wouldn't slip out of your hands, right? Okay. Well, yes. apparently the color brown and the little bumps look exactly like a female beetle. So they kept finding these beer bottles covered with male beetles who couldn't stop stop copulating and leaving their sperm on beer bottles instead of real females. Oh my gosh. And he likened it to male use of pornography, leaving their sperm with a screen instead of a human. His prediction is that the young man today who learns to actually speak with a woman, take her out on a Saturday night for a date and have real sex with her will be the one whose genes will be in the future, not those who become addicted to porn. Wow, that is amazing. What a connection. Yeah, so Uh, I look at science, I look at the human brain and I look at our modern environment. So Mating Matters is the podcast. Where else can people find you? Because undoubtedly our listeners are going to want a taste of Wendy Walsh. Thank you so much, Brooks. Um, Well, I have a radio show on KFI AM 640 Los Angeles live every Sunday from four to six, but you can find it at any time on the iHeartRadio app. And I have, I do a live stream on my social media and it is Wednesday, isn't it? And it's 440. So in an hour and 20 minutes at six o'clock every Wednesday, I just stream everywhere and let anybody ask me any question they want for free on my, all my social media. And my social media is at Dr. Wendy Walsh, just DR, at DR Wendy Walsh. Amazing. That's amazing that you just give that value for free because um, obviously you're such an accomplished person, but to then just open source everything you have in your heart, really what you're doing is you're sharing your heart with people. Um, You're sharing your insight and your knowledge, but truthfully, you're sharing your heart. I just want to commend you for doing that. Thank you, but it's a gift to me too because it keeps my ear to the ground to see what people are struggling with. It's also fun to just sharpen your own blade. Yeah. You know, it's just like, let me, let me hear what they're dealing with now. And I'm always here new. Well, they think they're new problems. You know, yeah. technology hasn't created new problems, just new pathways to the old problems. Oh, that's amazing. Dr. <laughs> Wendy Walsh. Uh, I have just literally been through the Wendy Walsh school. So I <laughs> personally thank you so much. Our community 
thanks you so much. Um, guys, tune into Mating Matters, which is Wendy's podcast, um, and tune into her Instagram lives as well. Wendy, thank you so much. We'd love to have you back on. Thank you. Anytime. Uh, that's it for this episode, guys. Um, till next week, as always, take care of one another, love one another, and use this episode as inspiration to find your connection. <laughs>